feeling a little <laughs> determined today. Smile. Smile. I'm trying something. All right. Let's Jamie's see. feeling determined. I was like, we're not recording. We are recording. It's just like doing church at home in our blue chairs, isn't it? <laughs> it's just this is exactly what it looked like when we did the blue chairs at home. I don't know. We worked on lighting. This looks pretty The lighting is pretty, pretty bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can't see, but it looks pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We look pretty terrible. I'm like, do we have to record this? Plus, it's flipped. You're on the wrong side. It's very oh, confusing. It's so weird. Anyway, we're doing <laughs> this, though, because we did get the podcast up and running the last few weeks, and there are I people, know. yes. It's um, amazing. It's been, a, it's been a challenge, but we've got somebody who's Steven. We got a new Steven. <laughs> uh, you guys don't know this, but our old Steven, <laughs> we prayed for Steven before we knew Steven was Steven. And then we were praying for another person, and then the ne- person that showed up that is that person we were praying for is also Stephen. So it's very confusing, but God seems to answer prayers with Stevens. So I, I, all I'm saying is look around in your life. If you see a Stephen, <laughs> he's probably an answer to your prayer somehow. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a leap. <laughs> not at all. It's very biblical. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Jerry's wow. laughing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So we're going to try. We'll try it this way and so we can get the audio and put it on our podcast and that people that aren't able to be here can hear us. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are in Advent week four, which is the last week. Next Friday is Christmas Eve. We didn't mention the Christmas Eve service. I did. Did you? Yes. Six be- oh, you did. We didn't mention it Sunday after. Oh, I didn't. You're you right. You didn't. That's true. Sunday after Christmas, we're not having service. So it's, it's a, we're having Christmas Eve in place of Sunday morning. Okay, so everybody knows, don't show up to church. It'll be cold and outside. That's okay. But fourth week of Advent. Today we're going to be talking about saying yes to God, which is kind of one of Heidi and I's themes we like to talk about, but it shows up in this passage. And really, uh, we're going to look at, um, I'm going to put it back on the screen here, the icon of Mary that we have down front here. Um, you guys remember last week we talked about it. You know, she's looking at us and saying, hey, do you want to hold the baby? Do you want to hold this baby? And uh, so w- what we're doing, though, is we're, we're going to look a little further into Mary, because you notice in this picture, Mary is the, the focal point. She is the big deal. And uh, Heidi's going to talk a little more about that. But what we're going to kind of discuss is the miracle before the miracle, you know, before the miracle of the virgin birth, before the miracle of the, of the mir- miraculous conception by God, the m- miracle of Mary saying yes. So in the lectionary, that's like following the scriptures that the church sets out. This year is Mary. Mary is the highlight because we're in the book of Luke. So we're going to look at Mary. Next year is Joseph. So next year we pay attention to Joseph. Uh, However, a lot of times in Protestant churches, we don't know what to do with Mary. Because we're like, well, we've seen that Mary, it appears to us that Mary is worshipped, really, in the Catholic church. And we're like, we we don't want to do that. We're not here to worship anyone other than God and God alone. And so sometimes I've heard one pastor say, so I just did nothing with Mary because I didn't know what to do with her. And I think we are invited to look at to look at Mary and to learn from her. And um, I think a word I think is appropriate to Mary is to venerate. And that's like a really cool old-fashioned word. And it just means to um, to, to admire, to lift up, to we, we look at saints, people who have served well, and we, we venerate them. 
we uh, we look at them as an example of how to how to live. It's it's from the book of Hebrews, the great cloud of witnesses. Yeah, we there. look to their example <laughs> as a way to live our life and to learn from their example, and that's what it means to venerate. So that's that's where we're going to begin. We're going to talk about Mary today. So I'm going to begin by reading the text. So you can open your Bibles if you like, or you can follow along. Your choice, whichever is easiest for you. So we're in Luke. We're in Luke chapter one. And we're, I'm going to be reading for you um, 26, 26 through 38. Ooh, I needed my reading glasses. All right. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Today we're going to focus on Mary's response and saying yes to God. We're going to look at how Mary said yes. Um, it's actually, an, it's from this passage, we get an ancient spiritual practice called this prayer of indifference. And in this, we hear Mary saying, whatever you ask of me, I will say yes. That is a difficult place to come to, to be able to say yes to God no matter what he's asking. And I think that uh, if we were to put ourselves in the story, right, you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm a 13-year-old girl. I know, it's a stretch, Doug. I'm a 13-year-old girl, and an angel comes to me and says, you know, behold, favored one, you're going to have a baby, and you're going to have some questions. And it's going to be difficult. Many of us, though, have this illusion, I think, that we would respond with a resounding yes, because an angel showed up, and God asked us to, to do something. But as I, I pondered and put myself in this story, I, I kind of realized that, um, I might not be so quick as Mary was to say yes. When I, was a, when I was a kid, I had a few dreams. One dream was to be an astronaut. Another dream was to sail in a sailing boat alone around the world. And then the third one was to go skydiving. I didn't become an astronaut because I stink at math. I didn't go sailing around the world because I get very, very seasick. And I discovered about skydiving that I'm terrified of falling. And the idea of getting in an airplane and putting on a backpack 
and jumping out of it while it's still perfectly good is just not happening, you know? And I think a lot of us are like that. When we think about God asking us to do something, we're, we, we're sitting at the edge of that door and we're really questioning the wisdom of what he's asking us to do, right? We're really thinking about, is this, is this a good idea? That's not me. That, oh my gosh, it does look like me. Wow. I should have told you I did. I didn't look that closely at the picture when I picked it. But, you know, so it's like skydiving. We, we, we have this idea when we're on the ground of what it's going to be like and how easy it's going to be to jump out of that airplane. But when we get in the airplane at 30,000 feet and we're looking down at an empty space, it's a whole different thing. And so we got to deal with this illusion that we're going to say yes when God asks us. And I think the reason for me personally that I hesitate when I, I hesitate to say yes to God when he asks me to do something is because I don't necessarily trust in God's goodness. I don't trust in God's goodness as much as I think I do. When I'm on the ground and things are easy, oh, yes, praise Jesus. He is so good. He is so good. He is so good. But when I'm sitting in the doorway of the airplane, I'm not so sure anymore. It's, it's a little scary. Mary, though, has a deep, deep trust in God. And how do we know that? Well, the angel, when Mary asks, like, how is this going to be? The angel's response is, God will, God will, God will. God, the, 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 sh- the most high is going to overshadow you. And, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is going to do this. Is that all these things that God is going to do to her. And for me, if I'm not trusting in God's goodness, and the answer is God will, God will, God will, I don't know if that's a very satisfactory answer, especially when it comes to all that Mary was going to have to go through and having a child out of wedlock, uh, facing her family, her culture. People were stoned for less in her culture. She could have lost her very life. And yet when the angel responds to her, God is going to do this. God is going to come. The most high is going to overshadow you. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. She answers, yes. She trusted very deeply in the goodness of God. When I look at it, though, I have to say, is God good in this, though? Because if you follow the whole story of the whole Bible, you see that since the beginning of creation, God had been working out this plan to rescue us all. And it was all going to come down to Mary. I mean, think about it. The genetic genetic component alone of, of people getting married from generation to generation to work its way down to Mary and to bring their family specifically to this town, this place, this moment, so that this one young woman would have a child who would become the savior of the world. The odds are astronomical. And then all of the prophecy that comes along behind it. I mean, God had worked this thing out. He had told everybody how it was going to happen, how it was going to go down. And we come down to Mary, and God is so vested in this plan, is he good enough to let her say yes or no? Is his, is his love for her and his goodness toward her so great that he is willing to allow her to have the choice? And so I have to ask the question, was Mary forced? So something I realized this week, I hadn't actually thought about before with the story of Mary, but God had to have given her a choice. She had to have been given the choice. And you can see that she thought about it for a little bit. Like, how can this be? Like, she's not a victim. God didn't just say, now you're going to be pregnant, but he, she actually, she actually chose. Um, she actually made a choice, and I think that she, like all of us, when you have a baby, you don't know the full consequences, right? You just don't until you have a baby. But she knew in her culture what it would be like to be an un, an unwed pregnant mom, 
like Jamie said, she could have she could have been stoned. And what I kind of thought was amazing about her decision was that she said yes before she knew what Joseph was going to say. Like, it would make sense to me if she waited and Joseph said, I'll still marry you, I'll still stick by you. But she said yes before Joseph even said anything. And I think the way I, I was being honest with myself is that sometimes I feel like God asked me to do something, and then I'll sometimes talk about it with other people. Like, I'll go to people that I respect and who are close to me, and I talk it through, and I think it through, and I plan it through. Like, can I, can I really make this work? And then I say yes. And what I noticed in her was that she, she said yes before she knew that she was going to be okay. Before she talked to her mom and knew that they, mom and dad, and knew what they were going to, how they would accept her or not. Oh, it's you're like, it's me. So when Jamie was talking about some illusions, so he brought up the first illusion was that he thinks he would say yes to God. And I thought, I don't think that's an illusion because I think I don't always think I say yes to God. So, um, but but one illusion that I, I saw was um, I have so firmly believed in this idea that is more from culture than from God of the cause and effect. Like, if I act a certain way, then my life will go a certain way. Um, sometimes we talk about here that we have ideas that we hold more firmly from the world than we do from the Bible, and it's hard to, like, cipher them out. I think this is one of them. This is the Newton's idea of cause and effect. And I think the church has believed this more strongly than we have believed the biblical idea of God is going to do what God is going to do. And you might follow God and it might look great. Um, so I think we, I think that if I had chosen like Mary, that God would have made all the pieces fall into place. And that it would have been an easy, but Mary chose a rough and a hard, hard life. She watched her son um, be... Um, every, pretty much everyone turned on him. She saw it all. And so I, I think deep in my DNA, I believe that if I am a good human being, that my life will go a certain way. And we, we talked about this yesterday with Sarah and Stephen. She's like, just because God does not answer does not mean that he is not faithful. She said, just because God did not do what we wanted in our timing did not mean that he was not answering us and that God is not good. And I thought of our message and I thought of Mary. Like she was given no guarantee um, by saying yes. Her yes was very costly. And I don't like that math. <laughs> I don't like math in general. <laughs> I don't like that But that math, math is bad math uh, to me. And mm -hmm. yet God is still good. God is still faithful in the midst of all of it. And that's the one thing that we can hold on to is that God is good. And you can look at his history and know it. Uh, then the second thing that we looked at as we, you know, saying yes to God is, is kind of the sorts of people that God asks mm -hmm. to do things. Um, and, and I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, you know, this is great. He asked this 13-year-old girl. I don't fit into that category. Mm -hmm. I'm not a 13-year-old girl, so he's not going to ask me. And I realized that there is a lot of reasons why God wouldn't pick me or pick you. And we can actually feel pretty good about that. Like, you know, it's not that big a deal. I don't have to worry about saying yes to God because he's not going to ask me. I'm only a high school boy. I'm only a, uh, I'm only a janitor. I'm only a finance manager. I'm only a lawyer. God, God's not going to ask me. I'm just no big deal. 
Or maybe you're sitting there, I'm retired. Why would God ask me to do anything? Or I'm over 20. I'm way over the hill. So (laughs) it's like it's just done. God's never going to ask me to do anything now that I'm over 20 or over 30 or over 40 or over 50 or over 80. You know, I I, I don't have any power. I don't have any influence. I don't have any uh, privilege. I don't have any cultural authority. I don't have any situational authority. I'm not wealthy. Or maybe even I have a history. I have a, I have a broken history. I've, I've failed in the past. I've made mistakes. I have addictions, um, pasts that I'm not proud of. And when we look at the passage, we see that God chooses the sorts of people you would never expect, and you and I fit into that category. All of us do. I love this part of the story that God used one that was too old, right? She's too old, and she was barren, and she was not, she was, uh, not thought of well in her culture, and the other was too young. She was too young to be chosen. And I think this is a great picture that shows us that God chooses who God chooses. And um, the and I, I love this in the story. The person of power, which happens to be an, uh, the priest, the man, is silenced in this story. So she the likes person, the part where I the guy like gets it. quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I like, well, I like how, how when God shows up, he, he silences certain people, and he gave voice to the too young and the too old. And um, I wrote here, Christmas story, the Christmas story is telling us that God can choose who is going to have a voice. One too old and shunned culturally and one too young. God chooses who can prophesy. God chooses who are the people that will have a voice. Who are the people that we silence in our church? Who do we say, you can't speak, you don't have a voice, you don't get to speak here? While the men are silenced in this story, God speaks through the women who were the lowliest in the society. And he said to them, you get to experience a miracle. It's beautiful. It's hope. I can find myself in that story. I mean, I think we all can. I mean, just because you're male uh, or white does not mean that you are not silenced in some way or disqualified in some way. And that is the beauty of the story. And in, in, in not just including but empowering the most voiceless of us. God includes all of us and gives all of us a voice. This truth about God using the voiceless and the small and the quiet really is something that our human story, our human nature really loves, right? It's written all across our culture, Christian and non-Christian. I mean, you just have to look at, like, the stories we love. Luke Skywalker, right? The whiny, sniveling uh, orphan who lives on a desert planet who becomes the Jedi master and saves the galaxy, right? Because he said, yes, he was, he was completely disqualified, and here he comes to save the galaxy. Or Aladdin, the street rat and the thief who becomes, you know, the, the, the husband to the princess and later the king, we assume. We never see the king die in that story, but I always assume Aladdin becomes king because he was old. Or, or my other favorite, uh, the, the little tiny hobbit Frodo, right? This little just quiet, backwater, long-eared, hairy-footed creature that comes out to take the one ring of eagle evil and throw it into a mountain dune and save all of Middle Earth. I mean, we love these stories, the little disqualified people being chosen for great things. Um, it gives us hope that we might have a significant life, even though we've been disqualified somehow. But I think it also teaches us, what culture teaches us, what these stories teaches us, that there's a lot that there's this lie that's taught to us that being significant means doing something massive and big and i think that the story of mary can 
can take us there. We think, oh, well, when we say yes to God, clearly it's going to be to do this huge thing, and it's going to save the whole world. And if it's not this huge, massive thing like giving birth to a baby, then it's probably not God asking me to do it. We, can, we, we get locked up in these stories of small people doing big things, and we think that that's significance. We, we look at Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or John Wesley. These are people of significance. They did big things. Or people that have successful churches, which are massive, growing churches with tons of people coming to faith, huge outreach programs, large attendance. Uh, you know, these things happen, but they may or may not be significant. And just because God doesn't ask you to birth the Messiah does not mean that you are not significant to his story and to his plan and to his kingdom. What God is looking for is people to partner with. People who maybe have shady pasts, people who may be insignificant, people with privilege, people without privilege, to partner with him to bring his kingdom to earth. See, his plan entirely depends on people saying yes. It entirely depended on Elizabeth and Zachariah saying yes. And, and when they said yes, they gave birth to a voice crying in a wilderness. When, when Mary and Joseph said yes, these impoverished, unseen people, they birthed a savior to the world. But I also think about other people saying yes, like a, a little old man named Charlie in Alaska who's now long dead, who said yes to driving a bus in the middle of winter in Alaska, 45 minutes through the snow and ice, into the backwoods to pick up a little family whose husband was at work all night long, and they couldn't drive and make their way through the snow. The only way that family would get to church is if Charlie got in this stupid old blue bus and drove it like 20 miles to come get us. And it was me that got on that bus. Would I be a pastor today if Charlie hadn't said yes? I don't know. I don't know where I'd be. Because Charlie says yes. Because I said yes to Jesus at some point and became a pastor. What impact does my life have? I don't know yet. I can't tell. I see glimpses of God's kingdom coming in each of you because of my yes. Is it significant? It's significant to God. It may not look significant to the world at large. But it's significant to God and to his kingdom and to the history of God in this world. So your yes, your partnering, partnering with God is what makes your life significant. It's not the size of the deed. It's not the massive success. It's your yes. Wow, I was preaching there. Sorry. <laughs> the question is, how, how do we get to the place where we can say yes to God? And I was thinking, it's interesting because some of us have been on this, this journey of following God for a long time. And doesn't it seem kind of basic, like a basic message that, yes, I say yes to God. And that. But really, if we're honest and if we're come, like, how often are we willing to say yes? Um, it's actually quite difficult, no matter where you at, are at on your spiritual journey, to, to say yes to God. I think there's things, when Jamie and I are talking about, I think there's things for each of us, we're all different, that make it hard or difficult at different times, a struggle to surrender to the will of God. Um, it seems like a basic, right? Doesn't it seem so basic in your Christian faith is saying yes to God? Um, but sometimes, no matter how mature you are in your faith, it can be very difficult to, um, to so just honestly say yes. I'll do it, whatever the rough road takes. Am I next as well? I don't know. I've lost my place. 
<laughs> I want I'll share I'll share a story while he finds his space. This is a story I think that shows beautifully the idea of the prayer of indifference. So it's a spiritual practice, the prayer of indifference. And as the church, we look to Mary as an example because she chose knowing that it would be hard. And we also use Jesus, which is right in the garden. He said, yes. Actually, he said to God, I would rather not do this. This is a beautiful example. Jesus said to him, I would rather not do this, but your will be done. That's in the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come. And I was, um, I'd learned that there's a prayer of indifference. And this is how it made a lot of sense to me. Um, here's another Sister Lillian story. They come up a lot. So she. Did you show her? Okay, yes. This is Sister that's Lillian. My, just that's so you my guys sister know Lillian. who you're always talking about. So she rarely asks me for prayer because I'm going to her. But one time she says to me, before, you, before we're done, will you pray for me? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. And she said, this weekend is a big weekend for our monastery. We're, uh, we're electing a new prius. Is that how you say that? Prius. And, um, and she says, I am not indifferent. She goes, I know what I want to happen. I know who I want to take over. I know what I think is best. She didn't pray that, will you pray that who I think, you know. She prayed, will you pray for me that I can enter this time being indifferent, that I can listen to God and set aside my ideas. And that is, that's when I, I'm like, oh, that's what they mean by the prayer of indifference. Like, it didn't entirely make sense to me on a practical until she's like, will you pray for me that I can be indifferent? And um, it didn't happen how she wanted it. The person who she thought should take over the monastery did not. So... So indifference is a word that's kind of difficult to get your brain around. It's not something we used to talk about in church very much. But imagine yourself at home and uh, somebody says to you, what do you want for dinner? We have, uh, we could order out and get pizza. We could order out and get Thai food. And you're like, those are my two favorite things ever. Which one do I want? I don't know. I'm good with either. I'm indifferent to the outcome. We can choose whichever one of those and it's going to be great. That's kind of indifference. But the indifference is whatever God wants. You know, that's what I want. I'm indifferent to anything else. I don't care if anything else happens. I don't care if I get my way. I don't care if it looks good. I don't care if it's big and successful in the world's eyes. I don't care if it's painful to me. I know I will care along the way, but what I want is God's will. Um, getting there is so hard. How do we get to that place where we can make that prayer of indifference to say, thy will be done um, on earth as it is in heaven? That let this cup pass for me, but nevertheless, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Or Mary's statement of, let it be done unto me as you have said. How do we get to that place? And what I realize is there's a difference between a prayer of indifference and a prayer for indifference. A prayer for indifference is where we come to God and we say, God, I have some pretty strong feelings about what you've asked me to do. I'm sitting on the edge of the airplane, and you're asking me to jump out of this perfectly good airplane and I don't know if this, tra this parachute is good, and I don't know if the tandem person knows what they're doing in the back, and I, uh, there's a cat on board, too, and he has a backpack, and that's just weird. I don't trust anything that you're saying right now. What we do is we come to God honestly, and we say, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I see. This is what I'm afraid of, and this is what my preference is. I would prefer to stay in this perfectly good airplane. And we tell him over and over again until we get to this place in our heart where we're able to trust in God's goodness. And that is Jesus in the garden, sweating blood. He is having to work so hard to get to this place. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. This is Mary. How can this be? I'm a virgin. I mean, that's not just saying, hey, I've never slept with a man before. I can't have a baby. That's saying I'm a virgin. And in this culture, that means something. And if I if I have a baby without getting married, I'm in a lot of trouble, God. This is going to be bad. That's the prayer for indifference. God, help me in my unbelief. Help me come to this place where I can trust you. So that's how we get to this place. We trust in God's goodness, and we pray the prayer for indifference. We say, God, this is honestly what's going on in me. Help me to believe you. That's what makes it so hard for us to say yes. So what what makes it difficult for you to practice indifference? (laughs) What makes it difficult? We did this last night, and I answered immediately, and right now it's like a little harder, it seems. Um, I think it does come back to trust. And I do think that it comes back to partly my personality, where I, I am a, I'm a yes man in a lot of ways because I want people to be happy with me. And I'm quick to tell God yes without considering the consequences. And then in my yes to wind up saying no or to back up and to stay, to stay put. I'm quick to not trust. I'm quick to listen to my own voice, my own l- reason and my own logic and not God's reason or God's logic. I chalk things up to wisdom, right? It's not wise to do that. That doesn't make any sense. God wouldn't ask me to do something that doesn't make sense. All of these things, I get locked up in an internal conversation where I don't trust God, and I'm not willing to listen. That's what's difficult for me. And so the prayer of indifference, which is something that I'm really learning about. I shared this last night. I mean, this is something I'm really learning, is to be able to come to God and say, okay, God, that's a long way down. I'm not ready to jump yet, and this is scary. And God is patient and faithful to work out his timing, I hope. So we're hoping you? you will ask yourself the question, what makes it difficult for you right now to practice indifference? What makes it difficult for you? Uh, I think I think usually my answer is fear. I think fear for me. And I think that our answers will be different for who you are, um, why it's difficult for you to say yes. And I also think sometimes, like right now, I'm having kind of a hard time being still in this season. So you have to be still and listen to God, or there's no way you can even hear what he's asking of you. So I think in this very moment, to sit long enough to actually hear what God is saying to me is a little bit hard for me. I just had this realization, a connection that we haven't even talked about. But in in the other Gospels where Joseph shows up, God comes to Joseph in a dream. Rather, but Mary, he shows up. The angel comes to Mary. She's moving around, but she's still enough to hear. But Joseph, he has to be asleep in order to hear from God. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting connection in that. that. I'm a little more like Joseph, I think. I move so much that I don't hear from God until I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, so that's a question we just want you to, to take from today and to ponder um, for right now. What is making it hard for you to say yes, yes to God? Um, one more thing I noticed, I think is beautiful while reading this text, and I, I wanted to share, and um, is the spiritual friendship between Elizabeth and Mary. Uh, I think the, the text shows us that there's a closeness between them, and I love the large age span. I think that in spiritual friendship, there's something quite unique, and that age doesn't matter. It's quite unique. Um, there's this huge span between them, and you see how close they are. And, uh, Mar- and when Elizabeth came, she blessed Mary. 
And she said, blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her by God. Her spiritual friend blessed her, and she saw that she'd obeyed. I, I firmly believe that in this life, if you want to continue to grow and to move, you have to have some spiritual friend, a spiritual companion, a mentor, a director, a pastor that will sit with you and listen to you and, and say, bless you and say, I see what God's doing in you. I don't think that we can do that. I don't think we can do it alone. I was actually reading Richard Rohr this last week, and he said the very thing. He goes, we cannot mature. He says to the second half of life, I'm reading this book on the second half of life because I'm, I'm there. And he says, you cannot move past the first part of life if you do not have, and he lists all those, a companion, a mentor, a spiritual friend um, to, to help lead you there. You can't do it alone. So I want to encourage you, reach out. Reach out to your spiritual friends. Reach out to somebody, no matter how old you are. Um, yeah. So to kind of recap this, how do we get to this place where we're able, like Mary, just to say yes? Trusting first in the goodness of God. Praying the prayer of indifference. God, help me say yes. God, this is the stuff I see. And lastly is to have a spiritual friend that helps us process what we're doing, to pray with us, to pray for us, and to encourage us in the way. So what I'm going to do is take a minute um, just to actually allow you to ask this question of yourself. What makes it hard for you to say yes to God? Is it fear? Is it control? That's probably a better way of saying that, control. Um, I don't know what yours is, but let's take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. with a, a challenge and then a prayer and then seeing what knocks out the, the thing for us. I started with one thing and then maybe two and maybe three. The first challenge is this. Say yes to God in the small places. You know, the most difficult place really to obey for me is in the unseen. The places where I stand to gain nothing, where it's not going to make somebody think better of me, where I'm going to look good because I said yes. To say yes in the small, quiet places, to say yes to just spending time with God and reading my Bible, not for the sake of getting something out of it, but just to be with Jesus, is the most difficult place. So my challenge to you, our challenge to you, is to start in the small, to start in the small places, to work, to continue, to try, to, to try and fail, and to ask God to give you grace along the way. That's our challenge to you today.
And then we're going to close now with a prayer and then to sing the doxology. And this is a prayer. We're going to do the re, we're going to recite the Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer that says it's a prayer of indifference, really. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And at the end of that prayer, I'm adding on a little part from an Australian prayer book. And so the stuff that's in bold, I will say, and the stuff that is not in bold, I want to ask you to pray. Okay, so I'll be up on the screen behind me. So would you stand with us as we close with these things? Jesus taught us to pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Loving God, we thank you for hearing our prayers, feeding us with your word, and encouraging us in our meeting together. Would you pray this with me? Take us and use us to love and serve you and all people in the power of your spirit and in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Go in the grace of our Lord to celebrate his birth this week. We'll see you Christmas Eve. Come or leave knowing that Jesus loves you truly and deeply, and he is good so you can say yes to him. And Heidi and I love you too, and I think the yes applies there as well. We'll see you guys at Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock. Good night. Good morning.